All right. Good morning again. I'd like to welcome all our visitors who are uh, worshiping with us here and online. Glad to be here with you all again this morning. So to kind of catch up to speed, we've been in a longer series about desiring God's will. Okay, and last week we continued the series talking about choosing God in all times and all situations. We talked about how sometimes we only seek God's will when we're having a big decision, right? What is your will with this promotion? What is your will with this relationship or job opportunity? Whatever it might be, we think about God in the larger grand scope of things, but we forget about God sometimes in the day to day. And and if we're Christians and if we believe that God's will is all-powerful and and something to strive towards pursuing, we ought to believe that God's will is in the everyday, right? Right. Okay, thank you. Uh, choosing God's will at all times. We also talked about how in the pursuit of choosing God's will, it's not about being perfect every day, but it's about pursuing his will every day. When we fall short, sometimes we fall into cycles of shame. And we talked last week about how Jesus would be so frustrated with us if, he realized, if we were to sit in a room with him and talk about how shameful we might feel when we forget about pursuing God's will. But rather we see that as, a, as an opportunity to reconnect with God and to say, hey, guess what? I once again have the opportunity to commune with God rather than saying, oh, once again, I fall short of God's glory. Seeking God's glory, seeking God's will, and scorning, God, and scorning the shame that we put on ourselves. So today we're going to be talking about the heart's desire. And as we begin, I want you to think about this for yourself. What are some of your deepest desires? This is not a trick, okay? I want you to truly, authentically ask yourself that question and sit with it for just a few few moments here. What are your deepest desires in life? They might change throughout your life. I remember... Uh, If you were to ask this question to me when I was 14 years old, 15 years old, my answer would be a little bit different than it is today, right? I'm thinking freshman year of high school, my deepest desire was just to fit in and and not go against what the flow was doing at my school, right? I wanted to just blend in and be as normal as possible. I remember freshman year going to gym class and having to change in gym class was the most scary time I could ever think of, right? My deepest desire was not to be seen, right? I was about this tall, but I was a lot skinnier, okay? I, I, I grew all that height from eighth grade to ninth grade, but I was still like 135 pounds. I was like skin and bones, and I just did not want to stand out at all. I wanted to be alone and not be the target of any ridicule. And you see, It's changed a little bit as I've gotten to an adult. I don't care so much about going with the flow as much as before, but there's still that kind of root of that similar desire. I don't want to be the person that stands out too much for different reasons, right? I don't want to be a point of emphasis. I don't want to be the person that is kind of, you know, different. I I still like to blend in, but for different reasons. And I think we go through our lives and we have different desires through our whole lives, but sometimes they illuminate the same insecurities, right? Our desire might sound different, but it's really the same. They illuminate our, our insecurities. They manifest in deeper ways throughout our lives. Sure, I'm not so scared about that freshman year Jimmy insecurity, but it's the same insecurity, just in a different light. Our desires illuminate those things for us. 
And recently I had to answer this question. I'm taking a few college courses right now, and I had to answer this question. And when I first got the assignment, I was like, sweet, this is going to take 20 minutes, right? <laughs> it's an easy assignment. I can type this up and send it away, done. But what I found out was that when I spent time with this, I realized a few things about myself. I'm going to share a couple of things, not everything, okay? I'm not going to share everything here with you. Um, but a couple of my deepest desires that I'm kind of wrestling with right now are legacy and being worthy of my calling. These two things, okay? If you know me, you know that my name's not really Jimmy, okay? I'm a James. There's a few Jameses in here. Shout out to my James Yarbrough's, yeah, right? They don't go by James either, okay? But my full name is James Francis Devine IV. And you might be wondering, is your son also a James? Yes, he is. He's James Francis Devine V, but we don't call him James either. I don't know what it is. We just don't, we just don't use the name. Um, but legacy for me has always been wrapped up in this identity of being a James Francis. As a kid, I knew what I was going to name my son before I even had a girlfriend, right? I knew that was going to happen. I was going to continue this legacy of these James Francis's. And there's something about that that's special because I learned from, from a very young age, and I shared with you in here before, that my parents really valued family. And as a young, as a young person, I, I found out that I have this kind of connection to these people I've never met before, but we share a similar name, we share a similar background, we are all James Francis. And there's legacy. I adopted this as a deep desire because I see that as very important, as passing something on to a generation better than I had it growing up, right? I think a lot of us can kind of nod our heads along with that, right? We want to hand off something better than what we were given. Not that what we were given was bad, but we always want to improve on what we've been given. And there's this idea of legacy for me, being a Christian and being a father and being a husband, that I want to leave a legacy of faith to my children greater than that was left to me. I want them to know that they're loved not only by their mom and their dad, my kids, right? That they're loved by Jesus and that their faith has the ability to transform their lives in a radical different way than they can even think or imagine right now. That's the legacy I want to leave behind. And it's kind of wrapped up in this idea from a very young age. I knew that there was this like legacy involved with just being named James Francis in my family. But this idea of legacy is deeply rooted in who I am as a person. The second thing, being worthy of my calling, this kind of struck me, um, I think it was probably year three of youth ministry. I did a summer series all around this idea of being worthy, right? In Ephesians 4, Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling which you received. And that's always been an intimidating line for me. It's always in the back of my mind, live a life worthy of the calling that you received. Because that's daunting, right? There's some about that that's saying I'm being called to live a life that's worthy of the calling to be a leader in the church to be someone who's dedicating their lives to, to pouring into others about Jesus I don't know if that's possible how am I ever going to live a life worthy of that calling but there's this deep desire to live into that right there's a deep desire to live into this idea of living a life that is worthy of the calling that Jesus gave me and it's not just for ministers I'm not going to preach another sermon on Ephesians 4 but there's something about us all as Christians that we are to live a life worthy of the calling that we received. Jesus makes us holy. Jesus gives us the energy and the, and, the, and the thoughts and the things that we can do to live into that. But for me, that's a deep desire. To live a life worthy of the calling that I received. Not only to be a Christian, but to be a minister in the Lord's church. 
And maybe you resonate with me. These are kind of broad things, right? These are very broad desires, but maybe you resonate with me a little bit. But maybe your mind is still chewing on this. I like to think of your mind kind of taking a bite out of this. And I hope that you chew on it the rest of the day and the rest of the week, thinking about your deep desires. Because I think as we look at our desires, and I I was able to boil this down to two things, three or four things in the paper. Um, But our desires are kind of shaped by our wants, right? We have different wants in life, and our wants are different from our desires, but sometimes our wants can illuminate our desires. And we're going to get to that in a second. But if you don't have your Bibles open already, go ahead and be open to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3 this morning. But as we look at Philippians chapter 3, as we study this morning, I want you to continue to think, what are my deep desires? What do I truly deeply desire in life? And what am I trying to receive in this life as I live it? So in Philippians chapter 3, Paul shows us this wrestling here between our deep desires and how we actually live our lives, okay? In Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 4b, it says this, okay? Listen to what Paul says. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Whatever gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering because I came in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul here is, is wrestling with this false confidence, right? This false confidence that he's built his entire life around maintaining, building towards, and making stronger every day. This false confidence in his flesh that he talks about here. And I believe that when we read Paul, we read, excuse me, when we read about him in, in Philippians chapter 3, we're reading Paul process his entire life. And I'm sure this is things that he spent many, many times, days, years, thinking about how he got from point A to point B. And he's wrestling with these deep desires that we talked about this morning. Look at this in Philippians 3, 5 through 7. Circumcised in the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. Do you hear the resume? If he were applying for a job, this would be a great descriptor of a reason to hire Paul, right? There's a lot of good things in here. A lot of good things. Sometimes we talk about Pharisees being these awful human beings, and some of them probably weren't that great. But at the core of their being, there's this dedication, right, to study. There's this dedication to being righteous, to, to have this zeal. And unfortunately, their zeal sometimes led them to persecute the church. But their righteousness was based on this, this study, this idea this of knowing God and truly being dedicated and close to God. But all of this, Paul lines up all of his pedigree, all of his resume building here. But he says, in comparison to that, This is what it's all about. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
All of that thing, all those things that I built my entire life around, my deepest desires to seek the righteousness before God, all of the energy that I focus in being that type of person who could stand before and be righteous before God, before the law, is rubbish, is garbage, is garbage in comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, Paul is putting two ideas side by side. Okay, as we read Philippians chapter 3, he's putting the righteousness of himself versus the righteousness of God through Christ. Now, you see, the problem with Paul is that I don't think he would have identified this idea of righteousness of self before he understood this. Before he understood the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, this whole deal of righteousness of self was righteousness before God. Because he truly believed that all these things, all these accolades were getting closer and closer to his deepest desire, which was to be righteous before God. And guys, I want to say that that's a really good desire, right? We could nod our heads along to that. To be righteous before God is a great desire. But the way Paul was going about it was not really manifesting itself to be righteous before God. It was manifesting it so that he could stand in a mirror and say, I'm righteous before you, Paul, because I've done all these things. My deepest desire to be righteous before God has led me to just be righteous before myself. And without the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, it's garbage. And I want you to just be Paul here. He's had this time to, to think about this, to chew in his mind this idea of this deep desire he's been, he's been pursuing his whole life, to then in turn say all of that time and energy was a waste in comparison to knowing Christ. His true deep desire is manifested right here, the surpassing worth of knowing God. His desire was to please God, but Christ became the only thing for Paul because he learned very quickly that if he wants to be righteous before God, this is how you Deep desire is being effectively seen and, and realized in understanding the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's not about the things that he did before, but it's about the person in Christ and the sacrifice that he did for us. And see, this is what happens to most people. We all have this desire within us, whether it be like I kind of mentioned this morning, this idea of this deep desire for legacy or this deep desire for being worthy of the calling for which I've been called to. We have these things, but sometimes we go about it in the wrong way. Like I said before, all of our deep desires have kind of a shadow to it, a, an insecurity to it all. Because there's this insecurity about, you know, I want to have this legacy left for my family, but the insecurity is, what if what I leave behind is garbage? What if what I leave behind is actually not so good? What if I drop dead today and my kids are like, yeah, that guy was okay. <laughs> he drank coffee, you know. He, he got in front of people on Sunday morning and talked a lot. I don't want that to be my legacy. But you see, the shadow side to all that is that it all, all of a sudden becomes a righteousness about me. The righteousness of self rather than the righteousness of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Think about the shadow side of being worthy of the calling to which I've been called. That sounds a whole lot about a works-based theology in my opinion. Because at the heart of it, yes, Paul says, Jimmy, live a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Yes, faith without works is dead. But if all of my worthiness comes from the things 
But while we're here on earth, our desires are going to be mutilated and manipulated in the wrong way to ultimately serve the desires of the self. So what I want to say this morning is that we need to have God purify our desires. And I love the way that that Paul writes it here in Philippians 3. This idea of God purifying our desires, I think, is manifested right here. Because he says all of this, this difference between the righteousness of self and the righteousness of God through Jesus, and he culminates all of it right here. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Very important distinction. To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Where is all the emphasis placed right there? It's placed on Christ. Right? Because when we first are introduced to Paul here in Philippians chapter 3, he's talking about himself. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin. I persecuted the church. I did all these things. And it ultimately, again, led to this righteousness of self. Even though his deepest desire was to please God, it only ended up to please himself and his self-righteousness. But he gets down here in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, and says, I want to attain to his resurrection, right? To his suffering. It's no longer about Paul, but it is about Christ. And the great thing about this is that his desire doesn't really change all that much, right? Because I believe that Paul, in his very heart's desire, wants to be righteous before God. And he wants to please God. He was just going about it in just a slightly wrong way. But he directs his energy in the right way here in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. His desire doesn't change, but God has purified his desires in this way. He's purified it so that he is no longer directing his energies towards himself, but to Christ and to the world. Now, I want to say something a little bit about desire because sometimes in this world we have this person that, and it often really manifests itself this way, is that our desires drive us away from God at times. Because like I said, there is this inherent need within people to love and to be loved by others. And sometimes we have this desire for intimacy and we end up going in the wrong places. That's why the pornography industry is thriving right now. There is a desire for intimacy. That is why husbands and wives cheat on each other because they desire intimacy and they believe they can achieve intimacy by doing something for themselves. This desire for peacefulness, people waste away in rehabilitation clinics and constantly go into these addictions that are not truly serving any purpose to find peace in any way in their lives. But this desire is so real, this desire is burning within them that they have to do something about it. They're directing their energies on themselves. They're directing their energies on the wrong When in reality, their desire for intimacy can be found in Christ. Their desire for intimacy can be found in this community. Their desire for peacefulness can be found in Christ. But the world is not looking in this direction. And guess whose job it is to show them this direction? It's our job. It's our job to be a place that says, you know what, our deepest desire is to be loved and to love other people, and we show that every single time we're together. But unfortunately, the world doesn't see the church do that too often. Unfortunately, the world sees a church that is just like the world, 
where we have pastors slipping up, doing the exact same thing that they should not be doing. And it's not just the pastors, right? It's the people in churches doing all the wrong things for all the wrong reasons. But their deepest desire is geared towards being loved, and they're just not showing it in the right way. That's what sin leads to. It leads to death. But the power that we have in Christ, the surpassing worth of Christ, can take that deep desire of love and bring it towards Jesus, bring it towards the people in our community and ultimately see exactly what Paul is saying here. I want to know Christ. That is our deep desire, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And before that you kind of amen me and get on board with this, you really need to read this part right here where it says becoming like him in his death. Because ultimately we're called to be crucified on this earth. Right? We're called to offer our bodies as a living sacrifices. Typically, sacrifices are not continually living. But that's what we're called to be as Christians, to continually, continually offer our bodies as living sacrifices, offer our lives as living sacrifices, so that our deep desires that God has put in us to love and to be loved by others can be directed in this way rather than in the dark, sinful ways that the world is so often taking advantage of. Our desires are very, very powerful. And they can be powerful in the negative way, but they can also be powerful in a very, very life-giving and life-altering way as well. People don't know it yet. Uh, the world doesn't know it yet, but this is, the, this is the prayer of the world. Okay, And that might sound weird because you might be thinking, Jimmy, there's no way that the atheists that I work with or the agnostic that I live next to would ever, ever, really ever want to say this. They just don't know it yet. Right, if we also read in, in Philippians chapter 2, there's going to come a time where every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess whether they like it or not that Jesus Christ is Lord. So every, there, there is something inherently within every single human being that wants to get to this place. But there's so much darkness, there's so much sin in this world that we're not getting here. So my question is, how do we get to this place where we can say my true desire is to know God. My true desire is to know the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. How do we get to this place? The first thing that I think we need to do is to do the work and dig deeper. You're not going to stumble into this. That's what I said last week. It's, it's still the same today. You are not going to stumble into this in your life, I promise you that. If you are not truly seeking, God, what is my deepest desire? mentioned earlier, sometimes our wants in life, you know, the things that we want can show us what we desire. And it can be as simple as, you know what, I want a raise. I want a new car. I want a new house. I want a new whatever it might be. And as you sit with those wants, dig deeper and ask yourself the question why, right? The Socratic method. Keep asking yourself the question why until you get down to the root of it. Why do I want this raise? Why do I want this new car? Why do I want all this new stuff? Maybe there's this sense that my desire is to be valuable. Maybe there's this desire that I need things in order to be valued in this world. And hopefully as you drill deeper, as you dig deeper into those desires, you can see how Christ can take those things and say, you know what? You are valuable. You are worthy. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive or what kind of house that you live in. You are worthy of being loved. 
You don't need that stuff. And your desire then shifts from being a materialistic you know, pursuit in life to being a pursuit of saying, God, how can I attain that love that makes me so rich I couldn't even imagine where my life would be if I didn't get there? So you need to do the work and dig deeper. What is the root? But I want to caution you that as you do this kind of work and as you dig deeper into your deepest desires, you're going to uncover a lot of your insecurities. And my prayer is that you do that. My prayer is that you feel a little bit embarrassed, okay? Not in a bad way. I don't want anybody to be embarrassed in a bad way. But I think when we uncover our insecurities, we shine light in a dark place. And when we shine light in a dark place, that's where truth can ring out, right? I've, I've shared my insecurities up here all the time, okay? I, and I don't share everything with you, right? Uh, you don't need to hear all the story of Jimmy up here. But the more that we show our insecurities to other people that we trust, the more that Christ is going to revolutionize the way those relationships work, this way and also this way, up and down, right? When we're insecure with each other, other people can say, you know what? Let me help you with that. You know what? Let me walk with you through that. You are not alone in this place. Let me be with you. And that relationship can help this relationship with you and God saying, God, I'm insecure about my legacy. What if all my kids think about is this? What if all my friends think about is this? What if nobody comes to my funeral? All those things that kind of go around our heads. Ultimately, God will say, stop worrying about that stuff, man. (laughs) It is important. Don't say it's not important. I'm not saying that it's not important. But the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord is ultimate. That is what we're striving towards. So do the work. Let yourself be insecure and let this happen. But I would be remiss to say that it's not going to be you that's going to do all the change. The self-help Bible, right? This is a Bible according to something much greater than ourselves. We need to allow God to be the one who purifies our desires. Like I said, this world, we have a lot of desires. And that's why so many industries of sin exist and thrive in this world because desire is being met in very insufficient ways because people are trying to take care of themselves. When we allow God to be the one who purifies our desires, that's when we can become like Paul to say, I want to know Christ and the power of his rising and to share in his suffering. God's going to be the one to do it. And I want to close out here in Psalm 51. You might have sung this song. You might have memorized this before, but this is where all this change starts, okay? Create in me a pure heart, O God. This almost sounds like a demand. I want to demand this, right? Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is where we're getting to, okay? This whole series about desiring God's will is ultimately not about what you and I can muster up the will to do. It's about what God can do in this, you know, kind of flimsy structure that we call a body, in us. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God. God, you are the one that's going to be able to create. You are the creator. All The only thing that man has created is sin. God creates us a pure heart. God can renew a steadfast spirit within us. 
And please, please, please pray this prayer this week in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Let's pray. God, everybody in this room has wants. Everybody in this room has needs. And ultimately, we all have desires. But unfortunately, while we're here on this earth, a lot of times our desires, they become warped. And our desire for intimacy drives us into the wrong places. Our desire to be worthy drives us into the wrong places. And God, I, I, I'm, t- I'm tired of trying so hard to do it all my, on my own. I'm tired of trying to leave a legacy that is going to be worth anything without being about you. I'm tired of being worthy of the calling to which I've been called, just trying to do things to stack up to seem like I'm doing something that's worthy of this calling. God, I'm tired. And God, I pray this prayer in Psalm 51 for you to please create in me a clean heart so that I can do great works for you. Not so that I can seem a certain way, not so that I can accomplish certain things, but so that I can just totally glorify you. God, help me to desire this. Help me to do the work and dig deeper to see, God, what am I desiring And how can you shape it to be about your kingdom and not about the self-righteousness kingdom of Jimmy? It's not worth living in. God, help us to aspire to this as we go from this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have any needs, this is the time we make available uh, to make them known. Uh, But my prayer is that you're able to read this psalm or read Philippians chapter 3 today and really sit with this question. What are my deepest desires? What am I doing today that's helping me shape into this kind of different posture of allowing God to take those desires and use them for his will? If you have any needs, won't you come while we stand and sing?